Bill Champlin is back, and he's creating music that proves it. After his recent disconnection from his Chicago gig, Bill has landed on his own two feet and has created arguably his best solo work to date, but on his own terms. He's teamed up with an amazing group of musicians, George Hawkins Jr. on bass, Bruce Geich on guitars, and Billy Ward on drums and percussion. To put the finishing touches on the album, he called on his talented family to contribute at every level of the project. His wife Tamara on lyrics and vocals, and his son Will on vocals, keyboards, and writing. No Place Left to Fall delivers 13 solid songs that are well-built and designed to create a cohesive project. It was recorded the old-fashioned way, four great musicians collaborating in one room, creating magic. In other words, Bill has written an album, not just songs. Inside Music Cast welcomes a re-energized Bill Champlin. Hey, Bill, thanks for joining us today. Hey, what's up, you guys? Doing just fine, man. It's been a year and a half since we talked. Yeah, a year and a half went by that quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's dive right into it, and okay. uh, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about your new album, No Place Left to Fall. You've mentioned that this album is is not really about what you've been doing, but more about what you've not been doing. And explain what I, you I explain. Think so probably I've been kind of holding back from doing solo stuff for a good while. Mm-hmm. Did a, a couple of Sons records and one or two live Sons things, and uh, and one studio album with the Sons over a period of time. Uh, maybe four years ago, five years ago, we put out Hip Little Dreams, which is a pretty cool album. Mm-hmm. Which is, by the way, available at sonsofchamplin.com. dot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, and that's that's a that's a very good album to have too. But uh, this this new one, I hadn't done a solo record in a while, and uh, and me and actually Bruce Geich and I had who who we've been co writing and working together with yeah. friends for years. Mm-hmm. Bruce Geich and I have been we've been kind of thinking about doing a real kind of a band a bandish, you know, just a really straight nice quartet and uh, and really kind of make it really happen on on that level. So mm-hmm. we kind of went after that for this solo album and uh, and you know, so we just rehearsed it and everybody got involved in the arrangement of it, the four guys. Yeah, cool. Actually five guys. We got we will play it on two or three songs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my son Will who's Sure. Uh, right. Best piano player in this bu- in this building, that's for sure. <laughs> but at any rate, so we uh, we just kind of did that and we just uh, you know, it was Billy Ward on drums. And uh, Bruce Geich on guitar, and George Hawkins Jr. on bass. Who George has been on a bunch of my records. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. George and Bruce. So, uh, and that's kind of a quartet we've we've been we've been kind of recording for other people. We've been recording with for you know fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a fun thing to get together and do. And, and I'm going to actually be out in California, Oregon, and Washington touring this mm-hmm. in November. November, I yeah. Decided, and I kind of went. You know, I, I'm kind of done with old. I, I want to do something new. I'm I just got tired of old music. You know. Sure. As much as old music is great and people like it, but I, I just you know, imagine yourself playing the same song every night. Right, know? right. It starts. It starts to get out. It starts to wear on you after a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you released this album here in the states uh, in early August. I think August fourth, but it was released overseas earlier in the year. And uh, you know, how it's actually was... on iTunes in the states for the last year. Oh, has it been? Yeah, it has but been. but it just came out in CD format in August, right? Yeah, CD format, and we actually did a D, kind of a making of DVD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we're we're putting out in 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 you know in, as part of the package. You know, right, so Eddie, CD, Eddie and I got to take a look at that. I look at it as sort of electronic liner notes. Yeah, you know? <laughs> there's no yeah, doubt. Exactly, that's exactly yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's you know if you see liner notes on a CD, you need a heavy heavy magnifying glass. To read it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, right. the text is so small. It's like I mean you know even with a magnifying glass is going to be rough to get that read. You know? and, uh, <laughs> listeners of Inside Music Cast will appreciate that because uh, most of our 
audience are pretty much liner notes. It's the liner notes crowd, so they'll really enjoy that. Well, you know, I I've, I always love liner notes. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's the thing. One of the main liner notes and really good album art. Do you remember the first King Crimson album with the ear that was, oh, yeah, was yeah. that really beautiful? It was just crazy electric kind of blue red colors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That ain't gonna work on a small. No. A jewel box like it does on an album cover. You know what I mean? There's some. There was some just unbelievable. I mean, can you imagine, you know, look at Sgt. Pepper on a on a on a CD as opposed to a as opposed to a poster or, or, or an album. Cover. How about even worse, an iPod thumbnail? <laughs> yeah, really. Jeez. <laughs> you know, that's just you know, some of the lost art that's going on. I, I just yeah. hope, I hope and pray that the that, that music isn't becoming part of the same lost arts. You know? I know what yeah. you mean. <laughs> well, tell us. How, you know, you said it's been out on iTunes here in the states for a year, but it's also been released overseas as well. But how, how is it doing so far? What, what kind of? Well, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, you know, I'm not exactly Madonna, you know what I mean, or right, right. or something. So it's not it's not tearing up the world. But anybody who's getting it, I mean, all the reviews have been unbelievable. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I I I knew I made a good album, but I mm-hmm. didn't realize it was that good. <laughs> I mean, every I, we haven't had a bad review on the record at all, yeah. and that's in Sweden and Norway and Poland and and you know, and a lot of these a lot of these writers went out and bought the record, mm-hmm. and you know, or excuse me, bought the CD, right, right. and uh, and listened to it themselves. I mean, it wasn't like my publicist sent him a copy and asked him to please do a review. A lot of these people wanted to do a review. I mean, in Germany and. Uh, and you know, all over the place, and it was it was really kind of heartening to know that you know, and, and Japan was the same thing. All of the reviews were great. Mm-hmm. I couldn't exactly read it to you, but somebody told me they were good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, your initial plan was to sort of create a sort of a, a bluesy record. Uh, you called the sort of a, a swampy sound. Tell us how. Uh, well, f- I was kind of aiming toward a swampy record. I was mm-hmm. I was going, and, and Bruce and I had been discussing doing a, a basic, not a blues album per se. You know, I mean, a straight, you know, twelve bar, sixteen bar sure, blues sure. thing. Yeah. But more of a swampy kind of leaning toward Louisiana, Texas kind of stuff, <laughs> and I, and you know I've always really liked that because I mean when I really started I was a blues singer when I started, but then I you know I kind of had enough education to to kind of jump up and you know started working with Foster and started started digging some of the you yeah. know some of the better voicings and mm-hmm. you know all of a sudden along came Take Six and Goodbye Triad <laughs> See You Later you know I mean it's like wow whatever this is I got to do it you know it's just beautiful mm-hmm. and so I mean when when I got this deal with Dream Makers Records which is out of uh, out of Jersey mm-hmm. and uh, and my partner Mark Edinger was working for them and uh or working with them actually uh and and he just uh, you know he said well just send us everything on your on your bill champion playlist on your iTunes you know and these are just demos and and stuff some of them old some of them last weeks you know different levels of demos some of them really produced some of them just a piano vocal you know and mm-hmm. i just put them all together and put together about five or six CDs and sent them to mark and you know and i had i had mentioned to mark and to dennis D'Amico at the company that uh you know i kind of want to do a, a swampy album and they said wow it sounds like it might be cool and then they listened to all my stuff and they went wait a minute you know there's a lot more than swampy here you got some really nice pop stuff mm-hmm. right. you got some kind of almost jazz kind of stuff uh, right there's, right there's some you know there's some really straight r&b you know like uh, that song stone cold hollywood is pretty right. You know, right. it's funkier than a three-day-old bandit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's funky. Uh, I got to give Tris and Bowden that one. That's that funny line. That's true. But uh, at any rate, uh, you know, they they just said, well, why don't you just try to put? Why don't we put together what we consider is the best songs without going swampy or jazzy or mm-hmm, or anything? Mm-hmm. Let's just go the whole the whole route. Sure. Let's just try to do you know try to show what you are and 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 try to cover a, a little wider spectrum than just one particular genre. And you know I've been around record business for years, where usually A and R people go, 
I like this one song. Now write me 12 more of this one song. Just like Just like <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So that I can hear 13 of this one song. Right, you know? right. That way we can, we can wrap a, you know, we can fit you around an already existing yeah. marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah right. Now when, you know, in the 60s when the Beatles were coming up and the, you know, and Dylan and, you know, Eric Burden and the Animals, all this other great stuff, traffic and so on. What what they what the business was about at some level in those days is they would look at the artist and they would make an attempt to try to wrap of you know to build a, a marketing campaign around the artist. Sure. Now they're wrapping the artist around the already existing marketing campaign. Okay. Right. And that's I think one of the main differences, just in terms of selling. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm finding that that uh, you know since everybody's screaming about uh, you know and the guys that are screaming the, the loudest and crying the blues the hardest right now about the record business where it is are the suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. These are the guys that are you know the A and R guys and you know and not that they're all bad. I mean some of them are really got good ears and some of them are really awesome awesome musicians even in their own right. But I'm I'm just saying just generally the guys that are making records after the A and R man was running the show. Yeah. Like myself and Steve Lukather, my kids, Will Champlin, uh, you know, uh, Jay Graydon and Randy Goodrum did a record called J&R. Right. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely oh, we, awesome. We interviewed, you heard that record? We, we interviewed Jay, and we talked oh, to him about that. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's so, so great. It's so happening. And they did it because they loved it. They did it because they knew how. And and I think a lot of the new music that's happening, it may not be as accessible, and and it's right there at the you know right at the cash register at the Safeway store. Right, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. Uh, it's it's or you know and like as we know, there's very few uh, you know there's quite a quite a few less uh, retail outlets that there used to be. Mm-hmm. But if you can find these things, what you're finding is is a lot of musicians that are really starting to open up and really do something cool. So I mean, a, a lot of guys are falling through the cracks, but down in the cracks is where the music lives. Yeah, yeah. We uh, this is something we actually we just interviewed Steve Percaro. Uh, you know, we just oh, Steve's lo- great. Yeah, and and we were talking to him about you know the fact that he's getting ready to. He said he's got a bunch of material that he's you know thinking about putting out there. He's just sitting on it. And I told him the story about the interview we had with uh, Richard Page earlier this year. And uh, you know, Richard's kind of approaching it in a manner in that kind of the same manner. He's just, you know, he doesn't, he knows he doesn't have, uh, you know, a lot of support behind what he's doing as far as, you know, from the labels. So he's just right. going to start, he's going to use the, the, you know, the delivery methods that are available, such as iTunes and all these other various outlets. And well, when he finish, when he finishes a know, song, Iota and there's, there's all kinds of online, sure. online stuff. But you know, the thing is that at the same time, I have an online presence. Mm-hmm. So does, you know, uh, Justin Timberlake, and so does, right. you know, uh, Beyonce Knowles, and, and all of the really big, big, big stars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have a tendency to go to iTunes, and the first thing you're going to see is the same people you're going to see at the, right. at, the, at the other stuff. So I think what it really comes down to is you want to see what, what music's really going on. Mm-hmm. It kind of comes back to that sort of support your local band kind of thing, is, is you've right. got to kind of dig in a little bit and take a look. Mm-hmm. And see what's available because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really really cool music out there. There's a group of, you know a friend of mine that I've known for since he was like a sixteen seventeen year old kid plays with a group called Hip Boot Joe. Have you ever heard of these guys? No, no. They're based I think based out of Louisiana somewhere. Uh-huh. And man, scary. He gave me an album. I didn't even think about it. And then I was driving from L.A. Actually, I was driving from Las Vegas to L.A. after a show, and I just grabbed whatever. Whatever CDs were sitting in my in my gig bag, just to keep myself awake while I was driving, and I yeah. put this in. I didn't even know who it was. Uh-huh. 
was just an album that I had sort of sort of accumulated while I was on the road. Right. And I put it in, and I was by the by song number four, I was just absolutely <laughs> blown away. Yeah. Wow, this is good. Hip Boot Joe. I'm going to write that down. Hip Boot Joe. I mean, and it's <laughs> you know they're they're. You know, I think they have a little circuit that they play, you know, and and I'm not, you know, I'm not even sure exactly what it is, and and uh, Travis Thibodeau is like the main singer in it, and uh, and, he's, and actually Bobby Kimball turned me on to Travis when when Travis was, I don't know, God, he must have been 15, 16, 17 years old, a really young kid, and mm-hmm. came in and sang on a couple demos of mine, and it's like, whoa, this guy's ridiculous. And uh, you know they're really good writers and good stuff, and, and you know there's 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 kind of cool music out there. It's just hard to find. Yeah. Because you know the, the the guys are spending their time dealing with the music as opposed to the to the marketing. Hey, I don't want to take us off subject, but you mentioned uh, Tris and Bowden a moment ago, and and for those who don't know Tris, he's uh, the drummer of Chicago right now. But he, how I understand he had some health issues. Is he doing okay? Yeah, he's fine. Is he's he doing? Playing. Okay, good. That's good yeah, to know. He's been playing for a month and a half. Oh, good. I was. I went to the Chicago Earth, Wind, and Fire show here in Indianapolis back in uh, you know one a few months ago, and he was when I was still in the band. <laughs> yeah, right. <Exactly. laughs> when he he wasn't uh, he wasn't on stage that night, and somebody mentioned he had some health issues, so I just wanted to make yeah, sure. Yeah, he was. He had some stuff he was dealing with, and he he dealt with it, and uh, he's clean as a whistle, and he's screaming. He's good, good, good. Great. It's good to know. Uh, one of the, one of the all time great people. A little while ago, you you spoke to us about um, you know the methodology that you used to record this album, sort of the good old way, and you got four guys in the studio, and uh, the whole record was arranged pretty much. Well, you know, by I, the think, rest of- I think it was a practice hall more than the studio that really made it work. Huh? Okay, tell us about you that. Know, we, I just rented SIR, and and uh, George and, and and Bruce and me live here in Nashville, and we brought Billy Ward down, the drummer. We brought him down from New York. Yeah. And we just kind of took three days and went in with the songs. I had little level, different levels of demos. Some of them were pretty good demos, and mm-hmm. some of them were were uh, just piano vocals and stuff. And we went in and just went, all right, guys, let's attack this together, all of us. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's kind of a band album. You can you can feel the energy that everybody's got a little got a little bite mark in it. You know what I mean? Everybody took a bite out of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Billy Ward, uh, you know, he's just, he's an awesome drummer, but he's also one of the one of the, one of the all time idea guys. He's a good producer too. I mean, I've heard stuff that Billy's produced. He's he's just an idea man. He always has been. Well, haven't they all been sort of? in Mark, I mean, George, Bruce. I mean, they're all writers in their own right, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. You know, Bruce, George is George has been on all. You know, he was on all. He played with Tris for twelve years and right. with Loggins. Yeah, right, right. You know, and and that that scene and my uh, my album burned down the night was mostly other than a couple of songs with Abe Laborio, mostly it was George and uh, George and Tris. Yeah, mm-hmm. on that album it was really good. It was George, Tris, uh, Bruce. Uh, uh, we had Abe on a couple things uh, mm-hmm. and Greg Matheson and me. Right. Actually, I played rhythm guitar on a good portion of the record. And then you also uh, employed um, uh, Jason Corsaro. Man, what an amazing uh, talent that you were able to, to get Jason working Corsaro with. Jason Corsaro is an awesome mixer. Man. Mm-hmm. He's an awesome engineer. He's got he's got gear that's like, you know, vintage and, and mm-hmm. unbelievable shape. He knows how to get a drum sound to really get you moving without taking over the record. Right. Yeah. For those sometimes, that... you, sometimes you get really big drum sound records and you go, well, wow, all mm-hmm. of a sudden that guitar sounds like a puny you know yeah <laughs> jason is one of those guys that seems to be able to get it all going yeah if, if people don't know who he is he's uh, he's working extensively with uh, i think he did back in the highlight for steve winwood right he was the guy that tracked it i don't know whether he mixed that okay one, but yeah. he did all he did he, he tracked and i think mixed all the sound gardens yeah wow now there was the penultimate mm-hmm. grunge band for mm-hmm. my money right mm-hmm. 
Those guys. Oh, I yeah, they're amazing. Cornell, man, that guy can sing Time, News, and Weather. He comes out of that same, he comes from the same planet that Paul Rogers comes from. You know, yeah. one of these guys is just, wow, what an awesome singer. Yeah, sure. yeah. You know, lows, highs, you name it, he's got it totally there. His pitch is ridiculous, you know. And, you know, as, as much as I like Pearl Jam, I mean, they, they get they get all the kind of kudos for being the, sort of the, the last of the the last of the grunge bands. I always thought Soundgarden was, I mean, they were there even before uh, Nirvana was. Yeah. You know, they they were, yeah, that was a great band, boy. They were mean, you know, just, I mean, think about Black Hole Sun. Is that awesome or what? Well, it's, it's an oh. amazing track. Oh, just forget about mm-hmm. it. You know? I mean, <laughs> And I, you know, I mean, I, that's the thing that that, that kind of gets me is that you know, all of a sudden, a, a certain genre isn't isn't you know, doesn't have the big spotlight on it, so it's supposed to be mm-hmm. gone. Well, no, it's not. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not a real uh, rap fan at some level, but man, there's not a, there's, there's nothing that Snoop puts out that doesn't groove the hell out of me. <laughs> you know, as much as I want, I'll I'll be saying I don't really dig rap, but I'm sitting there moving, you know, because his, yeah. his tracks and his and his rhythm and his it's just his whole move. Just oh, like, I know. Wow, it's mm-hmm. really cool. Here's a guy that's here's the real deal. You yeah, know mm-hmm. what I mean? That thing's grooves big time, no doubt. Yeah, yeah I mean, so you know, I kind of look at it. It's not necessarily my my art form at some level, and, yeah. and you know, I understand the I understand the the whole thing. I'm a little more of a melody guy, I like to hear hear singing, and then it's singing's kind of back, you know. Right. There's a lot of cool. There's a lot of cool stuff out there, and you know, uh, you know, but, and I hear a lot of people kind of go, "Oh, well, there's that Beyonce. She's just taking over the world." Well, you know, <laughs> listen to their sing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a reason. There's a reason she's as good as she is. She's, mm-hmm. she's a dancing, singing, unbelievable performer. She's, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, you know, same thing with Justin Timberlake. Number one talented guy. You know. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's you know the, the really big artists you got to you know you got to hand it to them. There's there's something real there, you know. Yeah. Well, kudos again to Jason because your album does sound phenomenal. It's a really good sounding sonically. Job on it. And you know we all got into it. There was there were certain things he kind of missed, and then at some point of the game we were mixing this over the phone. Yeah. You know, he'd send an MP3, and I'd listen to it, and I'd, yeah. I'd go, "Well, we need more of this and more of that." And right. finally, the co-producer uh, Mark Edinger and myself, we just said, "Well, let's just take three or four days and go up and, and go up." to Jersey with Jason and get all of our ears on the same speaker and just do the final little finish off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So which seemed like a, it was a good idea. And I think that just brought it home, you know? Hey, Eddie and Bill, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm a little anxious to dive into some music. So sure. let's take a quick break and check out one of my favorite tracks that's on Bill's latest album, No Place Left to Fall. And this is a track called All Along.
And that was the song All Along from today's guest, Bill Champlin, and that's from his latest album, No Place Left to Fall. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about your fam damily. You know, <laughs> the whole fam damily. The whole fam damily. <laughs> what a cool thing to actually be you know, working with your son and your wife on this record. Yeah. Eddie and I were watching the DVD earlier, and, 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 uh, and your wife has such a phenomenal voice. And I, I she never, is one of the best, and she's kind of been just sort of holding back for quite a while. Why? On the solo record, uh, or on the solo tour, uh, she's singing soprano. I'm just, and I tell her, I said, I know we got business to take care of, but you got to learn this shit. You mm-hmm. know, if you want to you get back into singing and doing this stuff, I mean, the best way to start is doing backgrounds. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll kick you right in, you know? Yeah, really? mm-hmm. So, so we're, we're both, I mean, right, you know, right before I called you guys earlier today, I was, I was down, down in the garage on Will's Motif going, well, I got to practice all these songs and get them under my hand. Sure. Mm-hmm. Especially now, it's, it, ain't, it, ain't a, it ain't a side gig for me anymore. This is a, this is a very important thing for me. Sure. Well, it, speak. Oh, go ahead, Daddy. I was just going to mention the Will because we were talking about the Will just a little while ago as a Berkeley grad, and he's, uh, he's an awesome keyboardist. And when was, um, how many times have you collaborated with, uh, with Will? Oh, well, you know, every once in a while, you know, he had one song, I think it was a Hollywood songwriter or something, I can't remember mm-hmm, what it was, mm-hmm. a song called Now That We're Fallen. Right. It's, 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 on his, it's on his website, and he was he started writing it with a friend of his from Boston, and, and it was all cool, and he, play, and he, he played me the track upstairs, you know, had it on iTunes, he was playing it through his computer. He says, I'm thinking about getting one of these award-winning song, you know, lyricists around town to, to write words, and I just kind of put my hand up, and I went... I got a couple of Grammys. Says I can write some lyrics. So, <laughs> you know, seems like I could probably do it. You know? And uh, so I got into the song, and and it ended up being ended up being some kind of award winning. You know, it won him some awards and stuff like that from I think Hollywood Songwriting Showcase or something. I'm not even sure exactly who it was, but but uh, you know they they flew him out to L. A. to to you know show up at the thing. I was going, hey man, I, I managed to sneak in with the kids and get one off. You know? Yeah, <laughs> way to go. Yeah. Um, you chose 13 tracks of uh, for the album finally, and and after listening to it, you know all I can say is that it's it, it's very you. At the same time, it's it's but it's not really predictable. You're doing some new stuff. Sure, there's a lot of B3, but but sonically, you seem to weave the the tracks together. It's almost like a story musical line, you know. You know what's kind of cool about iTunes hmm. is you can resequence a record in about three seconds, mm-hmm. and then put it on and then burn it mm-hmm. and put it in the car and drive around with it and go, yeah. wow, did right. sequencing on yeah. This. Mm-hmm. And I can go, well, that song doesn't belong after that song. Right. And let me see if I can figure it out a different way. It's basically like shuffling the cards. Right. But I, I've, I've kind of grew up in that era of Sgt. Pepper and Revolver and, uh, and in that era when, you know, Traffic had records out. And there was sure. a lot of different bands, and even Hendrix, for that matter. I mean, they were so sequenced that they really kind of told a story. You get to the end of the record, and, you, and instead of going back and playing, I want to play song number eight, mm-hmm. you just go back to the top and put it back on again, and it starts to feel like it's one song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't hear and the, that's kind of what I was shooting for with this. So I, mean, I spent a lot of time sequencing it, and then I, then I, then I went I, and I went, a couple of these songs actually can go together. Mm-hmm. Which I went ahead and did. So, uh, so I mean, the truth kind of had a had a kind of a little mm-hmm. breakdown ending, and it uh-huh. went and it went directly into uh, No Place Left to Fall right. beautifully. Right. And then I went right into right from that into Lover Like That. So I mean, it, it was sort of like that section of the record seemed to belong together. Sure, it, it really did. It flowed real nicely. Yeah, and we you know we had to spend a little time you know hopping you know 
fun with Pro Tools, you know, it's sort of like, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Audio uh, photos, photo book, or whatever they call it. Photoshop. <laughs> Photoshop. You know, <laughs> just play games with it, and that's kind of one thing that I really like about it is, is the you know, rather than saying, well, uh, you know, going to a mastering engineer and going, well, uh, resequence this for me, I'll check it out in a week. You know, mm-hmm. you can check it out right now, right, mm-hmm. and see how this, how different sequencing goes. So, I mean, I've got a little book with all with every different possible sequence for that record, and, and I finally just hit on this one. Seemed to be the good one. Yeah, it worked well. And I love the the last song on the record. It just really says a lot. You've worked often with Jay Graydon. In fact, the album starts with a a collaboration with that that you co-wrote with him. Yeah. Um, Was this a new song? How how old uh, was this song? That song was actually, we we wrote that maybe 10 years ago. Uh Okay. And we wrote it kind of almost as a slower, almost like a Holland Oates piece or something. Yeah. Right when right when Daryl and John were really kicking, and we just kind of we kind of sort of found a a little vibe that was really good for it then. And then when we started, you know, I, I've always loved the song, yeah. But I always thought it was it, we kind of dated it by by doing you know by the way we you know the, just the way we cut it when we wrote it. it right. Kind of dated, and it was it's just sort of you know. And I've submitted it to Chicago and stuff like that over the years, and people are going, yeah, there's a song here, but it just doesn't. It seems like it's kind of locked locked into a certain era, you know. Yeah, right. And finally, you know, we were working with it in the studio or in the in the practice hall, and we were just we just finally went, you know, guys, let's just slam this thing. <laughs> let's nice. hit it as hard as we can. Sure. I just started playing. Right. Let's just kick it. Let's play it way faster than 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 anyone would think of. Yeah. So what we had to do is kind of it had locked itself in a box, and we had to just break the box. Mm-hmm. Which we kind of did, and then everybody just looked at each other and went, "Whoa, yeah, wait a minute!" Right, right, right. So, I mean, that organ solo that's on there was on. The, it was on the basics. I didn't. I didn't go and overdub it. I just. I, and there's, you know, there's some clams, and I just took them. Yeah, that's cool. I just went, "Hey, that's cool, man. This this feels like this feels like the band. I mean, what a great way to open the record. It's just like, okay, any, anybody sure. who wants to want some B three action has got it right. No doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, you, you mentioned in our last interview uh, back in uh, February of two thousand eight uh, that a musician, a sax player out of Vegas, who once told you that there were two things you needed to remember. Number one, steal everything. And if you like it, steal it. And number two, forget who you stole it from. Exactly. Now, did you steal anything from from anyone for this record, or can you remember? Oh, I, there's nothing on there that I stole. Are you kidding me? You know, it's, Quincy Jones one time said, I think it was when somebody was trying to sue Michael Jackson for something, and he, and he, and he went into court and he said, Your Honor, there are 12 notes. We all use them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, good point. Good point. And, you know, and it's just it, you know, there's oh, there's only twelve notes. Period. You know, mm-hmm. and we all you know, well, unless you want to go for another octave, you know. What I mean? but, <laughs> but we all use the same notes, and eventually you're gonna, you know, your sequence is gonna be, you know, some of the right. notes are gonna be the same as somebody else had. I just like that quote, and I wanted to bring it back up again. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would love that the guy was, you know, and the thing is that we immediately stole something from him right away. Exactly. <laughs> we stole the whole intro that he had for one song, and we actually put it on one of our songs. Okay. Like, hey, I like that intro. You know, hey, he said to steal. Watch this. <laughs> Classic. You know, that was back in, the, back in the day. You know, I mean, when I was younger, I was really into Lou Rawls. I mean, Lou was... His oh, yeah. phrasing was so laid back. It was so, uh, it was just sexy. There was something about his, the way he phrased, you know. Uh, you know, I'm all, We all know about his little talks and his little raps and all that. Was, that well, that was really cool. He had a certain certain kind of little rhythm in his, in his step, you know. And Lou, you know, I, but, but I thought his just singing was, you know, especially in the early days on Tobacco Road and Black and Blue, those two albums. Ooh, we. They were, to me, they were more textbooks than albums. Mm-hmm. 
But then again, at some point in the game, right when the Suns first first came out, you know, somebody did a thing said, "Hey, Lou, sounds like Lou Rawls got a rock band." <laughs> and and I kind of went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold yeah, it, come right. back here for a minute." And I and, and around the time Stevie was starting to kick ass, and yeah. a lot of people were starting to do a lot of things. Donny Hathaway was doing some stuff, and right. I, I'm not the guy that has that, that can rip Stevie or Donny because enough guys are doing that already. Sure, and uh, and I, I'm just a little bit of coming from a little bit of a different place, but. But uh, boy, I, I could listen to him, you know. Mm-hmm. And and you know, occasionally something sneaks in yeah. uh, from somewhere. And you know, I, mean, I heard Willie Nelson one time do something. And he's not my favorite singer at all, but he did this one thing that was really cool. And I can't remember what it was, but it was you know, it was mine then. You know, sure. <laughs> what happened? from enough people, and eventually, and like I said, you forget you forget who you stole it from, and the next thing you know, you start shuffling. Shuffling all these little influences, and the next thing you right. know, you're actually starting to come up with your own thing. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. And I think this is more in the early, you know, in the early days when you're just really starting to starting to build your repertoire right, of, exactly. uh, of weapons, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it all comes down to arsenal at some level. You're right. And when I started doing background vocals, of course, I mean, uh, at some point in the game, you know, uh, discovering the use of falsetto really, you know, I mean, that that put me way no up in the in the you know when I could started doing that because when I did all a lot of disco records and stuff like that, I was I was singing alto mostly. Sure, right. Carmen Twilly was singing. She was singing tenor. She's got such a big sound. Right. She's a girl that sang lead on uh, on Rhythm of Life on the on the Lion King sure. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome singer. Just and she taught me. She's a great sister and a wonderful, wonderful friend. She's, she's amazing. And she she was on the bottom. I sang alto and falsetto and Nettie Gloud, uh, Carmen's cousin Vinette Gloud sang soprano and the, and the three of us were just working every day mm-hmm. I had a guy call me and says hey I want to find the three black girls that were that were on your record I said well I was one of them <laughs> and, and it, you know, like, yeah right every lead singer thinks he's singing background I said well actually I was and said, no 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 I need the three girls he just wouldn't buy it you know finally I gave him Carmen's number I said she'll find it <laughs> that's funny don't worry about it well, right, right before we started the interview, I got sort of a timely email, and this is from a, uh, a real fan of yours, this, this guy by the name of Steve Lukather, and he says that he, he says you know him, and, and, and in fact, he said that he laid down some tracks in your new album, but uh, anyway, he, he said that when you guys were uh, writing one of your songs with Jay Graydon, he said he, 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 uh, Jay Graydon went into the bathroom to, quote, take a shit, and, he, and as he came out, he was singing, turn your love around. Yeah, he, he came up with a bass line. He came up with the baseline. He came up with the baseline while he was while he was you know laying some cable. Right? And to this day, I was like, Jay, I need a hit. You know? <laughs> I need a hit, and you need some you need some metamucil. <laughs> I feel, I feel a hit coming. Yeah, I you know, I mean, on. if you put Jay Graydon and Steve Lukather and me in the same room, it's really big trouble. I'm telling you. you know. Hold on, I got to go work on a baseline. <laughs> yeah, how about SJ? I need a, I need a baseline. Right hey, here, why don't you take a couple spoonfuls of Metamucil and help me out? Man. <laughs> <laughs> and Jay, oh, Jay is such a good friend, and and I was so happy about his new album, the, the J and R album. You know, I didn't realize Randy was such a bopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I knew he was. I knew he was an unbelievably great lyricist and right. songwriter and singer. Right. And I knew he was a piano player, but I didn't know he. I didn't know he had a lot of that stuff going on. Yeah, he he sings. He's a little closet bopper, you know. <laughs> <laughs> on that same email, Luke also wanted me to pass along to you his love and respect, and to thank you for being such a great friend all these years. Ah, no oh, Steve's great. <laughs> he's, a, he's a sweetie pie. Just, I love him. You know. <laughs> I remember one time he had a. He had a uh, 
uh, what was it, a, a helium balloon, and he proceeded to, you know, <laughs> open up the top and, 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 and take the balloon out, and he started singing, Turn Your Love Around. <laughs> the line, that weird helium sound. I was like, oh, yeah, listen, talk uh, to me. Well, let's, uh, let's get back to the album. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to... Yeah, Luke played on, uh, uh, he played a solo on Never Been Afraid, Mm -hmm. which is really down that kind of classic, that classic alley, you know, and then, uh, and then he played on uh, uh, Lover Like That, which is maybe one of the swampier tunes on there. Yeah, And he just, it would take one, please. (laughs) You know, he says, hey man, that sounds good to me. I said, let me hear it again. Fine, sounds good. Let's leave it. (laughs) (laughs) He's just uh, there's there's maybe not a finer musician on the earth. I mean, Steve Lukather is just he's as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. I mean, man, he just down plays piano. I mean, he was a piano player on the original demo of Turn Your Love Around. He's he's a drummer too. They play drums. (laughs) I've seen him play drums. Forget it. (laughs) Really. Matter of fact, I hate that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Will's one of those. I mean, he plays drums and bass and. He's yeah. he's also a good cook and he can work on your car and and uh, yeah, right. there's nothing he can't do. <laughs> he's a real estate guy. I'd like him to come sell my house. <laughs> there you go, man. Get a cut. Yeah, right. Hey, listen. The second track on your album, "Tugging on Your Sleeve," you wrote that with Will and Michael Caruso, and uh, mm-hmm. it starts off with a really uh, funky B three and a Wurlitzer lead, and for the for uh, that lasts a few bars. And that's me and Will. Yeah. It's it's real simple. It's real funky. Whoa. You know what? It was actually on the end. The band had stopped, and me and Will just kept comping. Talk to us about that. How, uh, and, we, and we, you know, it was over with. We, the song was over. Billy uh-huh. was already walking into the drummer was already walking into the studio. Bruce uh-huh. had put his guitar down, and me and and the, the click was still going. Yeah, and me and Will just kept grooving. Oh, really? That's cool. So we just you know, we got into this little groove. So hey, hey, why stop now? You know, uh-huh. so we kept doing this thing, and I and I went and I listened to it. I said, Hey, go to the end. Did you record all that crap? And and Jason said, "Man, I don't stop till you guys are in the room <laughs> or here in the booth." And I said, yep. "But go go to the end where just me and Will are doing this stuff." So we went to the end, and I said, "Okay, here's the start. Here's the end. Yeah. Take this and append it to the beginning of the song." Right. That's pretty cool. And he did that, and and I went. Now check this out. And uh, and Mark was even going, "Wow, that's a good idea." I mean, you went on for eight or sixteen bars, and we just kept on yeah, going. Yeah, I think it was actually about eighteen or something. I okay. was just rehearsing. Yeah. it was really fine. Nice, nice little trick there. It it worked. Yeah, perfect. I mean, it was just one of those things. I said, "Well, man, we got this sort of you know that's the thing about Pro Tools is you can you can you can get a little you can play some games with some stuff here and there." Mm-hmm. And that was one of the games that we played. I just wanted you know let's just put this on the front and see if it make this a. You know, because, you know, you listen to some of those, remember those Earth, Wind & Fire records that were out back in, you know, like around, uh, I mean, even before, I mean, even I am, I had, had one or two of these just little, you know, 30, 40 second little bits of business between songs. Yeah. You go, wow, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I had one of those on a run, on the Runaway album. I did some, I did just this little, little thing. Foster just said, here, just, you know, here's a, here's a drum track and just go ahead, go ahead and knock something off. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we just went ahead on and did it, and uh, I just went and went into another studio and, and just stacked the vocals and came back and handed it to him. He says, "Great, this will be one of those little in between uh, little bits, you know." And I kind of like those things. Those, those things are kind of cool. That's that's sort of what ended up happening with that was what ended up happening on the end of all along. Yeah, you know, I ended up with just going hitting A's. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting. Just one note. You know, like, here you got a whole record full of all this stuff. We're going to end up with this one note. Yeah. And I think this uh, and tugging on your sleeve, you've got the, you've got the whole again, Fam Damley singing on on this track, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, when we when we cut it, Tamara and Will and I were we were all up there. 
up at the up at the studio in New Jersey when we cut that. And you know, we were I was just doing scratch vocals at the end, and they said, "If I was put Will on a little bit," mm-hmm. and then uh, and at some point they came and said, "Hey, have Tamara do the third verse." So mm-hmm. Tammy did the she oh, yeah. slammed off the third verse, and there you had it. And Will can sing, man. The guy's got a voice. Oh man, are you man. kidding me? Jay Graydon says, man, I got a new favorite singer. It's your kid. <laughs> He's good. He's good. My Lord. Wow. Man, what an awesome cut. I love that track. That's really nice. Um, you know, a lot of people really dig that thing. Yeah. It, and, it, you know, it's funny because it was one of the most, one of the more complicated, in a lot of ways, one of the more complicated arrangements. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking for the chart, and, of course, we lost the chart. Mm-hmm. Well, so well, I had to eyeball it. I had to figure it out. Or, as we say, we had to earball it. So, and the guys in the band are probably going to, I'm going to probably have to rewrite the chart just to get an eyeball on it. And since we're on the topic of the song Tugging on Your Sleeve, let's go ahead and, and take a quick break and let's give it a listen.
someone who understands everything But my heart won't let me lie to myself when I know I'm wrong I won't be at the mercy of some bittersweet memory And I don't wanna be tugging on your sleeve I'll be there when you're knocking on the heaven's door Poor old feet are sore Oh, one thing you must understand When you finally make your peace Baby, I ain't gonna be tugging on your sleeve No, no So lay your loving arms around me Hold on tight like you just found me Cause I may be the only one you need Maybe we can find a pathway You just got to meet me halfway was tugging on your sleeve from the new album No Place Left to Fall and our guest today, Bill Champlin. It's sort of unusual to hear, I mean, honestly, what you did in having three lead singers on one song, you don't hear that too often and, and it worked. It really worked. It worked really. for... For yeah. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Three Dog Night didn't seem to hurt them too much. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's there's one actually. There's one on the on the Sun's uh, Hip Little Dreams album. Did you ever hear that record? Oh, the Sun's Hip Little Dreams. Yeah, well, that was actually me and Tom Johnston uh-huh. and Bobby Kimball. Right, right, right. You know, so I, I kind of like passing them around a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, a whole album of it gets a little little old. I think of of every song. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think when you do an album with with two or three singers, you know, each one should have his own rec- have his own couple of songs, and then do a couple of these. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I ever do any duet albums with anybody, I think that's probably how it's going to end up. I haven't, I haven't listened to that one in a while. I'm going to have to dig that out. Mm-hmm. It's a good album. You know, yeah. there, was, there was a cool thing. There was, you know, we, we, it, it was getting mixed kind of funny. There was some uh, some ball was being dropped here at some point of the game toward the end of the record uh, for different reasons. You know, I think political reasons and studio ownership and other craziness like that. And I just took the Pro Tools files and went to Kenji Nakai's mm-hmm. studio down in L.A. And I said, Kenji, let's just you and me mix this thing. Mm-hmm. And Kenji's just great. He's just one of the... And it's funny, I, uh, I gave the record to George Massenberg, and, and George looked at the back of the record, and he says, oh, man, you got Kenji Nakai on this mixing? <laughs> I said, yeah, he says, you know, of the of the five Japanese engineers that I know, Kenji's... Of the, of the five best Jap- Japanese engineers, Kenji's four of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's how good he is. Well, that's, uh... Massenberg's funny, man. He can be, he can be a kick. Well, that's a, good, that's a compliment coming from him, though. Oh, he's, absolutely. He's... Yeah, but Kenji and Kenji and George are good friends. And yeah. 
and uh, and Kenji's a he's just an, he's one of these awesome awesome guys with just really great ears. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell me on on Lover Like That. Uh, that's the track that Steve played on with um, Jason Latham. Did uh, who's a wonderful engineer. He did some really interesting recording techniques on the choir. Explain to us a little bit of how he uh, how he told or basically how he brought a small little ensemble and and sort of fattened it up. Now, are, are you talking about Lover Like That? Yeah, isn't it? Isn't that where you had the choir? No, I think you're talking about, probably you're talking about Looking For You. Is that the one? Where yeah, I... and it wasn't Jason Latham, it was Jason Cursaro. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm what sorry. What we did is, well, it was, it was the Free Spaghetti Dinner Choir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went down and stacked a choir and put together, you know, I got about, I don't know, 10 singers. And we all just stood around a microphone and put the vocals down on that song. Okay. And then when when Jay, when Jason Kassar was mixing it, what he did is he soloed the soloed the uh, all the vocals into the studio speakers up at Barbershop Studios in uh, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. He soloed them into those speakers, and then he re-recorded them again with the, with the sound of the room slapping. Mm-hmm. You know, with there was you know, and it just added this really really cool room ambience. It was really awesome. It was uh-huh. very very cool. That's cool. Now, lover like that was basically just that was pretty much the 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 background vocals on that were pretty much mostly me and George. Okay, gotcha. Okay, you know, because I, I, and I've, I've been kicking myself ever since I should have had George singing singing a little bit on it, and or either that or there's another song called. Uh, I want you to stay. That I that I thought that George should have sung some. Sure. I should. Mm-hmm. I really. I just. I was so busy working. I didn't really pay attention. I, and I should have had George singing a little bit of lead. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Actually, Jerry Lopez sang a little bit of lead on. Uh, oh yeah. On Cold Hollywood. He's incredible. He's great. Have I, you have you guys seen? Well, that band? You, the last time we did our interview, which was February of '08, I went out. You, you mentioned I had needed to go to the Palms and check out uh, Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns, and I did. I was out there like a month later. Yeah. And I, uh, Bobby G, their manager, I've, I've, uh, uh, Bobby Glad, yeah. Yep, I've, um, I got to know him pretty well, and he invited me out. I sat at his he's table. A sweetie pie, I love Bobby. He is. He's a great guy, and and he, uh, he, he brought me out on one of those Monday nights. I was there, and and treated me to an amazing night of music because they, those is guys. That, is that the sickest band you've ever seen in they're, your life? They're incredible. They're one of the best, and you, you had their horn section on one of your songs, Stone Cold Hollywood, right? Yeah, right. I, I used them, and I used Jerry, uh, the the rhythm guitar yeah. player, lead singer. I used him on, uh, on verse. Two, I guess, verse three. And they are phenomenal. Anybody going to Vegas on a Monday oh. night, head to the Palms. The show is free. Um, I think they just uh, renovated that room too. Oh, cool. Yeah, I just read that they renovated. They had to, they had to go dark on one of their Monday nights because they were doing some upgrades to the room. Hmm. Oh, cool. So. Well, that that's going to be my solo band. I'm going to use uh, Jamie and Jerry and Roshan, mm-hmm. and and I'm going to get Eddie Garcia, uh, who was who was with my last solo band. I, I had a, a solo album. Uh, a live solo album called Mayday, which we put out about ten years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's basically the band. Uh, with 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 the album, I had Greg Matheson playing piano, but I'm going to get Jamie Hosmer, uh, the one of the the second piano player with uh, with the Santa Fe band. So mm-hmm. these are the guys I'm going to be using uh, wow. live. Amazing musicians. I mean, my stuff has got so much singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's another thing about Santa Fe. Everybody's you know always talking about their uh, their horn section, but listen to their vocal. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jerry Jerry's just an awesome talent in, in his own right. And yeah. what a what a rhythm guitar player is that guy! Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And his brother Lenny is. I think he's one of the best tenors on the earth. 
That's true. I forgot about Lenny. Yeah, I've only seen him once, and I'm trying to get all the names in my head. But I remember Lenny. I, I do remember him coming Lenny up on did stage. The, uh, the, he probably did the version of Brother to Brother. Yes, he did. Yep. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's a good singer, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's phenomenal. <laughs> you, you got Lenny around. You got the top end pretty well covered. You know, mm-hmm. and he's also a good, great percussion player. He was with Luis Miguel for I don't know, a couple of years there. Well, I know that you have a connection with that band. In fact, I know you, in Vegas, uh, you, you've gone up on stage and performed with him before and, and oh, yeah. how did you guys how did you get connected with him in the first place I've known Jerry since uh let me see maybe 87 88 mm-hmm. he just he just he he was a he was a real fan of my music mm-hmm. and he and uh Chicago was doing like a 3 day stand up at uh at Tahoe, uh, the, the uh, Caesar's Palace in Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And I was just walking around the halls, and all of a sudden he was standing next to me. And, and I had spoken to him on the phone before. I think Bruce uh, Bruce Conte had put put us together on the telephone. Mm-hmm. And I had spoken to him, and it was like, well, that might have been before I wanted to, before I kind of changed my world up and got, got clean and all that kind of scene back there. So, I mean, I, I was talking to Jerry on the telephone, and I just kind of forgot. It was just some guy I was talking to. And we were, you know, we got into gearhead land. We were talking about gear and shit. And uh, and at some point, you know, Jerry just said, "Hi, I'm, I'm Jerry Lopez." I said, "Yeah, didn't I talk to you?" And so we kind of became friends. And then we we went in and uh, and started hanging out with Bobby Dickerson, who's this single artist who mm-hmm. held down the the lounge gig at uh, at Caesars for in Caesars and Tahoe for twenty years or something. Mm-hmm. He had a drum machine and a, a piano, bass, a ba- little piano bass thing going, and and just plays it all all at once and just sings his brains out. Mm-hmm. But he was he was playing, and Jerry started singing. I went, whoa. This guy can sing. Mm-hmm. This guy's serious. So yeah. we just kind of became friends. And then whenever we did Vegas, I'd go hang out and go hang out with his band. Mm-hmm. And Cleto Escobedo at the time was in his band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cleto has the Jimmy Kimmel band. Sure, right. Yeah. Actually, Cleto and Cleto Sr., his dad. Exactly, both of them. He yeah. had to play with uh, Jeff Babco, also the keyboard player. Yeah, Jeff Babco and uh, Jimmy Earl Lennox playing right. bass. Yep. And a handful of cats on that stage. Actually, yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've All got monsters. A, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, I knew Cleto when he, and so, I mean, at some point, Jerry just said, hey, man, can you produce a couple songs for us? So we wrote one called Never Been Lied To, and another song that I'd written, bef- written uh, also, I'd actually written it with uh, Tom Saviano called Whatever Happened. We, so we oh, okay. we went in and we did this with the, with these guys, and I produced them at, at some point back in the day, and Jerry and I have just become really, really good friends. And at some point, I was doing a, I did a, a, a duet with Brenda Russell on a Tom Scott record. Really? And we went and we we were staying in Vegas for a night to go out into the some to some thing out in the middle of the desert somewhere to cut this video, and we were staying in Vegas. I said, "Hey Tom, you got to go hear this band. Go check these guys out." So I brought Tom to the Santa Fe gig. Tom was sitting right in front of Jerry, and he just went, "Oh my God, this guy's ridiculous." So Jerry ended up actually working for Tom Scott for about three years. Check it out. Wow. Tom had a tune called Sarah. Sarah, remember that? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That was Jerry singing. Wow. Oh really? Yeah. That I didn't know. Very yeah. cool. So I mean, he's Jerry Lopez is a he's a major major mm-hmm. piece of work, and he's a really really good friend. He played uh, he he was he was with my like I say he was with my solo band when we did May Day album, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's uh, he's just he's just you know I mean I couldn't get the guys uh, that I used on the album to do this tour because mm-hmm. there was just schedules you know uh, Bruce Guys works for Peter Cetera and I think Peter had some gigs booked right in the middle of this this little period of time that I had. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was, you know, I was. That was kind of the period of time that I could do because I mean, Chicago was playing and stuff like that. I didn't. I, at the time, I, I didn't realize that I wasn't going to be in that band for a while. So mm-hmm. I, mean, it, I probably should have done it a little earlier. 
you know, done the done the solo tour a little sure. earlier had mm-hmm. I known what was going to come down. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, you know, things just changed. You know how things have a way of changing. Things just changed. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, at some point, uh, uh, you know, and then and then I think George is actually going to go out. He's playing with the Loggins and Messina tour. Oh, okay. Very cool. Which, uh, so, and that's not coming back until November second, and our and my first gig is on November sixth. Sixth, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, um, uh, you know, just looking back at the album again, uh, a track familiar to uh, Chicago fans showed up on this project, an old Diane Warren tune, "Look Away." But right. you, you recorded it as an acoustic track this time around. Well, you know, we were re- we were performing it kind of as an acoustic track. It was just sort of me and Keith playing guitars. Yeah. And the, you know, at the chorus, me and Keith were singing. Uh, and then at some point of the game, the band came in, kind of about the same place the band came in on, well, this, on this version. Mm-hmm. But then Will and I kind of got into arranging it a little bit and changed it up, and I just kind of came up with this whole ending thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which was just a, you know, it was just a different, little bit of a different vibe. Uh, and I, I just kind of went, well, you know, we're going to make it acoustic. And, I, and, and what I kind of wanted to do was just a, a little aside to those people who liked that version uh, of the of the song that we did with Chicago, a lot of people came up and said, "Man, I love that acoustic version. It's yeah. so different than the record." Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it seems to you know you find the soft underbelly of the song pretty much when you do it that way. Right. Yeah, and you brought in so, Keith again, didn't you? I brought him into actually. I was going to have him come in and do mm-hmm. this, do the vocals, and then have Bruce play the guitar on it. And then I, I started, I just started listening to it. I was you know I was downstairs with Jason Latham, who did my did my engineering here in. Uh, you know, two engineers named Jason. That right. kind of changed things up a little bit. <laughs> That's what screwed me but, up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jason Latham was there, and I said, you know, put up Look Away. Let me, you know, I got a couple of ideas about vocals that I don't think he's quite up to, but, you know, what I'll do is I'll have Keith come in and play, play the electric guitar. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or, you know, the, the, the electric lead. So I brought, I brought in Keith to do the lead on it, but I did all, I stacked all the backgrounds myself, and I just went, wow, now this is, this is what, you know, this is a whole other move. This is really, you know, it's better than just. Well, here's here's what we played with Chicago. I, I just kind of went. I, I gotta I gotta me this up a little bit, you know. So I stacked the backgrounds on it, and I think the backgrounds on that record, on that version, are, are just stellar. They're just cooler, mm-hmm. cooler it could be. Yeah, you track a lot of the vocals in your home, right? Yeah, I did Obviously. it downstairs. Since we're talking about uh, the song "Look Away," let's check out Bill's new arrangement that's on his new album, uh, "No Place Left to Fall." This is "Look Away." Look away If we 
We were better off as friends That's how it had to be Baby, that's how it had to be I tell you I'm fine But sometimes I just pretend Wish you were holding me Wish you were holding me I just never thought That I would be replaced so soon I wasn't prepared To hear those words from you I know I wanted to be free Baby, look away. Baby, look away. If we need 
And that was certainly a familiar tune. That was Look Away. That's pretty cool. And it's been newly arranged and is featured on No Place Left to Fall, the latest record from today's guest, Bill Champlin. Hey, I, we mentioned earlier about uh, your upcoming tour. You're going to do some West Coast dates starting in yeah. uh, November. But any plans to head east? Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to. You know, I mean, yeah. we're, we're looking at uh, we're actually looking at, at activating the Suns again in March. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very cool. That's not something you leave behind. You know, yeah. my stuff is is really my my stuff is really about this singer and these songs. When you're talking about activating the Suns, are you talking about touring or going back into the studio? Well, I think both. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Very cool. I have no problem with it. Uh, we've got an agent who's who's booked, uh, uh, Lisa Walters has booked, uh, has booked these these gigs for me, and she's going, uh-huh. hey, I'll, I'll, you know, Very put me cool. on the sun. So she's kind of looking at some little festival kind of things. Very cool. Uh, it, it, whatever we can do. I mean, and, you know, and if nobody wants to hire us, then we won't activate the suns. But I, <laughs> I think that at this point in the game, see, I've always, I've always had to say no to, to summertime stuff. Mm-hmm. And the suns are really kind of a good festival kind of yeah. band. Are you talking? You know, most... I mean, it's really a party. Those guys, when we play, it's people just get crazed. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking mostly though? If when the Suns perform, is that going to be mostly out on the West Coast? Then. Well, I, I'd like to go everywhere. To tell you the truth. Yeah. And I'd also like to take my solo band. I'd like to take. I'd like to take another whack at Japan and, uh, and Europe. I think that'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Right. You know, because uh, I mean, we well, like I say, we we might not have sold a million millions of records over there, but we've definitely gotten unbelievable reviews. And yeah. I think if we showed up, it would it would probably start to you know, uh, put another little spike in the record sales, you know what I mean? Yep, yeah, definitely. So I'm kind of looking at both, you know, trying to keep both things active. You're typically juggling, you know, keeping the plates spinning on the end of the stick, you know what I mean? Yep, <laughs> no doubt. Well, Bill, we really appreciate all the time you spent with us. Uh, your album is incredible, and I advise anybody who's interested in it to check it out. Now, I know that you can, You said earlier you can get it on iTunes, but where can, they, uh, where can people grab the CD if they you want know, the CD? You know, just go to my, go to my MySpace or, uh, you know, actually yep. where's, where there would be uh, what they call widgets. It's, it's, they're just links to uh to Dreammakers Records. Okay, directly. And okay. I think they have I'm pretty sure if I'm if uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think there's a mail order kind of situation. Okay. okay. Or a download situation, but I I think a lot of people that you know, maybe the age group that would like my record. Mm-hmm. Not that not that young people wouldn't, you know. I mean, I I've, I've seen kids listen to this and go, "Wow, who is this guy?" Mm-hmm. There was one guy here who said, "Man, you sound like a 25-year-old kid on this record." You know, what's the story here? Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, it's because I'm a 25-year-old kid." Come on, <laughs> hey guys, come on, work with me, stick with this. Uh-huh. Anyway, so, uh, uh, but, but you know, I think there's there's widgets, and you just you just hit the link, and it'll take you to it'll take you to where you can you can either do a, I think it would be uh, I think it would be a, either a mail order, which I've always liked, you know, because that way you get the actual CD and the DVD, and you can get the whole thing. Sure. Right, right. And if not, it's it's uh, no place left to fall on iTunes. If anybody just wants just straight ahead music, that, sure. that's all. That's been there, and it's been there all along. I think iTunes and uh, Amazon dot com, and I think mm-hmm. Rhapsody, and I think. All, a bunch of these things. Yeah, I recommend getting the CD because the DVD is is very nice. Right. Like you it's said, really it's a the DVD kind of gives you an eyeball of what's like I say. Yeah. It's, it's just it's uh, it's electric liner notes. That's cool that you put that together. There's a little bit. There's an extra on the DVD that has a uh, a little bit of Suns footage, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's, cool. That's yeah, nice. yeah, that's right. Actually, and and in that footage, actually Jerry's sitting in with us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I didn't, yeah, I didn't notice that. I have to look at that again. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's classic. It, mm-hmm. It's funny. He was because he's he's always been in these real kind of forward in your face, you know, screaming bands. You know, then he hopped in with his sons, and we kind of play on the back end of stuff sometimes. <laughs> you know, 
and he went, man, there's a, there's a, that's a, that's a grooving band, man. Wow, what a little <laughs> pocket you guys create. This yeah. Awesome. Hey, listen, you know Brian Pearson. He's one of our correspondents, and uh, yeah. And you know he uh, he told me the other day. He says uh, that he asked Luke uh, if he'd be up to ever a Bill and Luke tour. And you know what uh, he said that Luke said, hey man, a double Bill tour, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> double Bill tour. He said hey, if uh, time allowed, he would be all all over that. What uh, interesting concept here to throw at you. So, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, so. We split up. We could share a band in a lot of ways. Yeah, yes. sure. Yeah. My thing is that with this. It's what's really cool about this next round uh, for me is that uh, is that you know doing this thing in November is that we're going to be uh, we're going to be uh, I, there's there's a, there's ways that bands can can fire uh, sequences and, and play background vocals. Right. You know, and, and all the bands do it. Everybody does. Sure. It. They have extra background vocals, and you look up and you see three guys singing, and it sounds like fifteen. Well, it really is fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're mm-hmm. they're going against a click track, and it's all that kind of stuff. And I, I've on this one. That's one of the reasons why I got Jerry and Jamie and uh, and Roshan. It's like this is going to be about singing. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys are all unbelievable players, but they're going to. This is going to be about uh, about pulling these vocals off. And Jerry, when when Jerry sinks his teeth into something, man, that guy's a study that won't quit. Mm-hmm. These guys, these guys are going to come to the ball game, and then I, and then we're going to have eleven days of ba- of uh, of rehearsal, and a couple of those days will just be just background vocals. Yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. We'll just be dealing with just that. That's where it's going to go. So I mean, we're going to you know we're going to really tie this one up. And anybody who's in California or Oregon or at any time, just go on any of my websites and it'll show you what dates are, are where. I mean, what I want to do more than anything else is try to try to fill these dates up, and because I think people will just go, oh my god. <laughs> This is cool. Well, Eddie, Eddie and I are looking at each other, and I know we've, what we're thinking. We're both thinking road trip. Road trip. <laughs> no doubt. Uh-oh. Well, as long as you're not thinking toga. <laughs> yeah, really. Sure. <laughs> don't, don't wear a toga to the gig. They probably won't let you in. And, and, I, and I know you two guys are, have a thing about togas, so, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, give it all up to your listeners. But, you know, it, guys, togas. We're I'm in the studio you. with the togas right now. It's the togas, I'm telling you. <laughs> Classic. Well, hey, thanks uh, so much. You know, it's, there's nothing sacred, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much for joining us again and, and uh, spending your time with us. And we, we love the album, and we, Absolutely. we wish it all the success. Guys, thanks a bunch for having me. No all problem. right. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Bill Champlin for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. Be sure to join us again on September 28th as Inside Music Cast welcomes Bill Labounty. Also, very special thanks to the Inside Music Cast correspondents, Scott Gross, Kim Riley, Max Zape, and Brian Pearson. And check out our new website at InsideMusicCast.com, where you can join in on forum conversations about the musicians we cover here on Inside Music Cast, as well as a variety of other music-related topics. You can also catch up on past interviews, read the Inside Opinion blog, and check out bonus content that we'll be posting often. Find us at InsideMusicCast.com. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast.